You're listening to Both Sides of the Mask. Umpires getting together to talk what it's like on both sides of their mask. Creating a fun atmosphere for anyone who can relate to sports, life, and officiating. Welcome back to Both Sides of the Mask. Well, we started off strong. We were batting a thousand. But I think our numbers right now, we will still get in the Hall of Fame. Because we may be about 400 or so. So we're still going to get in the Hall of Fame. I know Liz was excited to get rolling. But then as soon as we did, things picked up for catching clinics for her. My work has been insane. And uh, I wonder how Destiny is doing down there in Florida. If you guys haven't been checking her out, look her up on YouTube. Move, period. Check out their website. They are tailoring workouts for different types of people. Give them a shout, shoot them a message, and they will get you hooked up. Tom Davis Sports Recruiting Forum is where you can look if you have an athlete that you're looking to get recruited. If you want to know what is going on in the recruiting realm, there are so many athletes right now that are in the transfer portals. How do you find a school that's the right fit for you so you don't have to go through that? Maybe things change when you get there, the coach leaves. All those things going on. He is there to guide you in those directions. And Diamond Umpire Academy. I know Liz is on staff there. They have six World Series umpires from 2020, I believe, on staff that are going to be there. So excellent teaching. They do different things and they do them differently. It's not going to be the normal camp that you go to. You're going to have work where you are in the classroom. You're going to be doing drills that are on the field. We're going to see how it all looks and how everything is going. And one last thing before I pass it over to you, Liz, NASO, Sports Officiating Summit at Home again this year for 2021, five days, one hour and 36 minutes on the money. I timed it perfect so I didn't have to give seconds, but it's really cool. That's going to be going on 150 plus speakers, 75 plus support organizations. And I know two people that are going to be on there in a couple sessions that might be going on that you might be interested in. I saw one, there was going to be a question and answer with some NFL referees. So that'd be cool. Yeah, we may know those two people that will be on the NASO conference that's going to be coming up. So make sure you guys are tuning in. It's still free. You can go onto their sites. We even advertise it on our Facebook site, or you can even go to Referee Magazine or NASO on their Facebook pages and you can register for free. How much time do they have left? (laughs) Five days, one hour, 30 Hold on, wait for it, wait for it, 35 minutes. You can also go to sportsofficiatingsummit.com and at the bottom of that page, there's first name, last name, and email address, and then click register now and you will get signed in. And they send you an email every morning of the events that are happening and going on. So you'll have that every morning, what you have to listen to. And you can listen to it when you want to listen to it. It's not live. These are recorded. There's gonna be some that are live, but most of the videos are recorded yeah, and to kind of touch base on a little bit the Diamond Umpire Academy, there are there's only four camps that are listed, but I'll give you a little secret. This doesn't go anywhere between you, me, Tony, and everybody else that's listening. <laughs> there and might the be a couple post. more camps that'll be added. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but there's a there, there's there's a possibility, there's a rumor that there will be a all female camp that'll be hosting in a state that's below the state of Ohio. Uh, near Missouri. I'm not going to tell you which state. And then also there might be another one that uh, they are looking to add on. So be on the lookout for all that. Some of the dates will probably be combined with another date. 
So just be on the lookout for all those fun camps that she's been advertising. So Diamond Umpire Academy. That's cool. It's the camps are happening. Things are going on. There's one in Northwest Arkansas. I think they have 60 umpires that are on to that one. And they're also inviting coaches in to come in and see what it is to be an umpire. So Ray Burwell doing a camp down there. It's going to be awesome. Chad Steers, I know, is involved. So good stuff going on. What do you want to talk about today, Liz? What do we got going on? Why we've done regular season, regional, super regional, and then we have teased about it. We have said we were going to do something about it. And then we left everybody high and dry for <laughs> what, three, four weeks. Oh, right. It's, it's been a while. Cause like the world series ended in June and we're almost at the end of July here. Well, actually we are at the end of July, but, and, and then we do apologize. Like just things have gotten a little bit, um, a little bit crazy. I know Tony with his work, you know, yes, catching sessions, you know, they, they do take a lot of my time during the day, during the week. I've gotten a lot of cute little nine, 10 and 11 year olds that are just starting out catching. And it's, it's a lot of fun to just see like the, the innocence and also just the overwhelming when it comes to understanding the positions, not just put your gear on and catch the ball. So a lot of the parents and coaches have been appreciative of that. Been hearing a lot of fun stories of how well they're doing during the games, but not only that, Tony, um, obviously I'm a mother. So both kids playing softball, Every weekend we were somewhere. Finally, softball season's done for the next few weeks. I say that funny that it's done for the next few weeks. But uh, Natalie just finished up her last year of 14U down in Columbus. They have an all-sanctioned World Series. It's actually a regionalized World Series where states from like the, the, the boundaries of Ohio that will come. So we have teams from West Virginia, Kentucky, Michigan, even Canada comes down teams from Canada. You know, it was a lot of fun. It was a little heartbreaking because half of her team is not going to move on. They're making some transitions. And Natalie is one of them that's going to be moving up with that group in the 16U. So they're going to be more of a regionalized slash national team starting in 16U. So exciting, but that just means it's going to burn more of a hole in my pocket. I think I went through all my umpire money <laughs> from this 2021 season because of both of them traveling. <laughs> Oh, not to mention soccer starts and I had to put down a deposit for that. So that started again. Thanks, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, that, so. that's, it's funny how we, we make it and that's what we do to get by. And it's the little things that help our kids do this. Or like me, I'm, I got to do a couple series and I'm using that money to go to Disney. So it's time to get out there back on the field and do some working, put some more money in the pocket so we can pay those other fees, horse things, rodeos. What are you doing to align your pockets? I know you got something else coming up here pretty soon. More softball in the summer. The girls may not play playing in it yet, but they could in the future. Athletes I'm unlimited. I'm excited for this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got the call. Uh, I'm one of the two females that will be broadcasted on the Athletes Unlimited. Myself and Leah Bowen. I was, and sorry, Leah, I kill your last name every single time. How do you pronounce it, Tony? Duame? Duame? How about Leah Bowen? Leah, could you pick a different last name? At least mine, you could pronounce it somewhat. <laughs> Unhyphenate the name and just keep it for later. Yeah. <laughs> Bowen's easy enough to say. Doom? Exactly. So I don't know. There's a, I forget how many weeks are, uh, I think it's like six weeks total. And I got, to, I'm going to be selected to do one of the weekends. So I'm excited for that. It, I'll be honest with you for selfish reasons. You can't pass it up for the, for what they're paying. So I, I do appreciate that. And hopefully they'll, it won't be a bubble. We won't have to worry about wearing the mask, but we'll, we never know. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for the opportunity. Well, and the thing is, is they are paying you what you guys are worth. It's the top of the top of our umpiring group, umpires that have been in the World Series. 
That's the ones that are there. People that have been in national positions are going to be there. It's setting the trend at what our professional sport is because we're not having our pro league again this year. They canceled it like a year ago that they were canceling it for 2021. So this is what our pro league is. You got Olympians that's coming and playing. You got World Series players that are there, past, present. You guys are getting paid what you are worth. And we need to see more of that. Top three reasons why umpires are leaving the game. Parents, promotion, and pay. So at least we can get one of those fixed pretty easy, and I can fix the other one. I don't need parents in the game to play it. Hey, why don't you just go sit out beyond the fence or just go sit out in your car. I'll let you know when we're done. We'll sound a horn when we're done. You can come back and pick up your kid. <laughs> it's like like football training when they sound the horn, like when they're done with the drills. <laughs> Move on to your next session. Right, right. Good stuff. Well, not only that, Tony, I want to add this before we get into the subject. Uh, I got suckered into coaching. So I shouldn't say I got suckered in. Um, I'm, I, I've been itching at it. I, I'm excited. Uh, so Caitlin is very excited this year. She got invited to play for a premier team. So she's stepping up. She's playing for an organization uh, that's been around since 2009. And the coach that took over asked me if I'd be willing to pretty much take on the team while he does all the paperwork and whatnot. So that's what I'll be doing on top of everything else I'll be adding onto my schedule. So let's see how this works, Tony. I got a quick question though about that, the coaching, doing the lessons, things like that. And you talking about those young nine, 10, 11 year old players, they bring a different passion to the game, that excited passion. How does that for you being in it as for as long as we have been, how does that rejuvenate your passion again for the game? It definitely keeps me engaged, keeps me wanting more and to continue learning. You know, I, when we're out there umpiring, we're not just standing out there calling balls and strikes, outs and safes. I mean, that is the point of it. But when I'm watching those players, watching the coaches, listening to them, just the cues, I actually steal a lot of the things that they're doing and study a lot of the things they're doing. So when I bring it back to those athletes, and some of them do know some of the big, I mean, they when you mentioned to like a 9, 10, 11 year old, they know who... Kentucky is, they know who Alabama is, you know, so when I can share that I've been on the field with that specific school, their eyes just light up. It's amazing. And to mention a couple of names that have been in the Olympics, be like, yeah, I when I, when I worked the pro league, you know, I, I remember Monica Abbott, you know, I was behind the plate when she pitched and they're just like, oh my gosh, they think it's like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so <laughs> Quick story on that though. I was at a small D2 school just south of here and it was after Kat was done playing and she had started coaching at, I think it was St. Mary's. I can't remember what school it was. And so she brought the lineup to the plate meeting and she, I was like, hey, you know, Tony Williams. And she's like, I'm Kat Osterman. I'm like, no kidding. Really? Is that? <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> but Sorry. to, to add on to that, Tony, it's, it's a big deal. You know, like, you know, at, during the season when I was having, you know, like say, every time you step on an SEC field, like it's, it's a battle. I think Scott Kennedy said it best on one of his posts on Facebook. If you don't follow him, you need to. He said it's a, every game is a battlefield. It's they're battling each other like you know it's the the last game of their their lives. And you know I'll, I'll come from a, it doesn't have to be an SEC game. It, anything that may have happened on the field, and you're so stressed out because of things that have transpired. And then I start working with those kids again, and it just makes everything well worth it. And, I, and then you forget about it. And then you realize that they're still learning. And so it, it's just, it helps rejuvenate like the passion for it. Like you were talking about. I wonder if we can get Pat Benatar to re-record a song that's a passion or a, 
<laughs> Umpiring is a battlefield instead of love's a battlefield. <laughs> I think you just showed your age with the Pat Benatar, but hey, the hey, people that are listening will know exactly who you're knowledge. talking about. <laughs> my musical knowledge, not my age. <laughs> a lot of people appreciate that, Tony. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So here we are. We've talked about regionals. We've talked about super regionals. You've had the call. You've accepted it. We know that you're going. Family's not able to go because we don't schedule it out long enough to let the umpires know that they are in a playing. So hopefully a national position opening up. Maybe we'll be able to change something there. Sharon Cessna has retired. So we'll see how all of that stuff works out. Going to be a whole new regime at the top of NCAA softball. But you're getting on the plane. Your bags are packed. We know kind of what you're taking with you. You're bringing gray pants. You're bringing a couple shirts. You got some new shirts while you're there. Take us through that week of preparing, getting your uniforms back ready, getting your gear cleaned, and taking off. Man, it didn't feel like I had enough time to even clean all my stuff because literally, like, I land... Sunday evening and I have to leave Wednesday. I think it was morning when I had to leave. So like, think about it. You know, I had like less than 72 hours to get my stuff ready to go. But the positive thing was I didn't have to worry about washing or dry cleaning my Navy pants. I got to retire those. It was the most exciting news I've ever heard in my entire umpiring career. <laughs> a lot of people understand they do. <laughs> We've talked about but, it a little bit and Hey, Jim Kirk, listen up. What's it's happening. It's happening. That's right. It all started last year and during COVID, you know, we were trying to push that envelope, but you know, it's, it's, it's just easier because a lot of people have the, the gray pants already, but it, that was, that was exciting. But the flight there, like normally I'm a Southwest snob, you know, that, that's all I pretty much fly out in. Every single flight out of Cleveland was sold out going towards that direction. All the Southwest flights out of Pittsburgh was expensive, as you know what, and you know for whatever reason, like they, the uh, travel agency we used didn't want to spend the money for me. They didn't think I was that important. Same thing out of Columbus. <laughs> I'm just joking, by the way. It's like, you know, there's other flights that we could take. But anyway, so. Well, and I don't want you to say that you're joking because when you do call in and they say, well, they will say that it's too expensive or something like that or what it is. Don't don't sell that part short. We need to be known that we need to be taken care of as well. Our stipends are not what they should be, and our travel expenses. Yes, they get paid for it, but you had a convenient an inconvenience that you had to do. You couldn't fly out of the city that you were at, and who knows if it would have been for me? Yeah, I can drive from Springfield to Oklahoma City, but Springfield is a well now our national airport, but it's not that big. Am I going to have to drive right. to Kansas City, St. Louis, so that I can get a big? flight out of somewhere else and it's no joke like you fly out of springfield and, and not a lot of people and probably people are listening to this going there, there's an airport in springfield missouri <laughs> but there's an airport in akron that is you know 30 minutes from my house cleveland's usually about it depends on the traffic 50 minutes to 60 minutes but there's more flights that are available so I did the convenient thing. I, f I flew out of Akron. Parking was cheaper. But let me tell you what, I, I took advantage of those opportunities because since they couldn't get the flight I really wanted, and they and you talk about stipend and talking about pay, Tony, I made sure they paid for my premium parking. I pay I parked right underneath the, uh, the, the covered lot. It was a little bit more expensive. I want to say it was probably about $20 a day, and they reimbursed me every single penny that I, I was charged for them. <laughs> But, you know, hey, I'm going to spoil myself if I have to. Uh, same thing with uh, 
paying for luggage. You know, I, I threw, flew out of American Airlines, which I am not a fan of American Airlines at all, because it's always either the flights are rearranged or delayed or the, the, the chairs are un- uncomfortable. Or you have to go through O'Hare. Yeah, correct. Now, so <laughs> it was funny because <laughs> most of the umpires I was working with, they're like, wait a minute. So you flew from Ohio to Charlotte to Oklahoma City. I said, yeah. They're like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, yeah. Because <laughs> normally my connection, if I'm flying from Cleveland, is Midway or Nashville, which are the two major airports that connect. And it's on the route. It's the direction. So, yeah, flying south to go west, it made total sense to me, too. So, but, uh, yeah, flying out there, I mean... Thank goodness they did pay for all my luggage. I took full advantage. I hate carry-ons. I absolutely cannot stand carrying on things onto the flight. And I don't like how American does their carry-on option. They'll say, hey, you know, if you want to check in your 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 luggage, you know, we'll we'll tag it. But here's what's where they get you. Once you get off the flight, you have to stand there on the bridgeway and wait for them to unpack your luggage. Then you have to go get your check bag. I'm like, no. Yeah, that's why my carry-on is a backpack and I can wear it on my back. Yes. And they will ask every now and then. I was like, no, if it's under the seat, just fine. I got a garment bag though. Do you have you have a closet that I can hang my garment bag in? And I can't I can't diss on American because American is what flies mostly out of Springfield. We get American, Delta. Uh, those are the main two ones. Well, Delta was my friend this year, especially coming back from all the assignments because Southwest didn't have anything past four o'clock with a lot of the assignments I had in the SEC this year. So that was a a challenging event. And so I built up some points with Delta. So thank you. The only downside to Delta is that their chairs are very uncomfortable on the flight. But what I do like about Delta, and and we're we're building up knowledge here for if people aren't familiar with this. but Hey, but if you don't like carry-ons, can you take a pillow? to sit on can you bring like a seat comfortable maker a yeah. maker of a yeah. comfortable seat why don't you carry that on instead and then uh, you'll yeah. be okay with the seats okay <laughs> totally get on that something we're going to introduce we'll, Here we'll to get help. with uh ump life and see if they can help us create something come on ray come on <laughs> so with delta what i do like about how they handle their business is that if you don't want your carry-on or pay for another check luggage just go up to the desk before they uh, go through the terminal and they'll check it for you, and you pick it up with the rest of your luggage. They do it right. Now, yes, I'm a Southwest snub. I did hear, Tony, there's a rumor that the CEO of Southwest may start charging for luggage. If that's going to happen, holy cow, there's going to be, people are going to be in an uproar. I'll be one of them. Well, maybe it'll so, only be $69 flights to everywhere, but then you pay for your luggage. So then it evens back Let's hope again. so. <laughs> let's hope Positive so. thinking. But anyways. Anyways, we just got into a, like a little tangent. We got we wow. just did a little, it wasn't a little knowledge. One. <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> but I think it's insightful for people to hear this part of as well as what goes into our planning and what do we think about and what else goes on and what do you carry on the plane? Let's talk about it for a little bit before we get there. What do I carry on the plane? My stuff is in a garment bag that folds up and I carry my uniforms on the plane. My pants and my shirts are with me on the plane and I hang them up. And if they don't, they can, if my garment bag fits in the overhead and my backpack that I have on, I have field shoes in there and I have all of my game day wear. So that way, if I need to, I can borrow somebody's hat if my bag doesn't show up and I have shoes and I have pants and shirt to go on the field. And then my um, checked bag is all of my gear and belts, my plate shoes, 
all that stuff like that. So hopefully I would be able to borrow a hat enough, stick some paper towels in it if it's too big for me to make my hat fit or if the person's hat that I was borrowing. I've only had two times that my bag um, didn't show up at the airport with me and they had to bring it to me. So what do you carry on the plane with you if you don't like carry-ons? Uh, yeah, if I don't have to do a carry-on, like I will do a carry-on like if I'm doing camps or clinics or if I'm just going so, like... If I'm just doing like a one or two day visit, you know, that's, that's simple for me because I didn't have to worry about it. It's simple, but I carry a backpack. I usually have my laptop. Now my laptop's like the size of, uh, of a dump truck. You know, it's huge. I'm over-exaggerating. It's like a small TV. That's about 36 inches. Anyways. Um, so I try not to carry that with me. So I do, I invested into an iPad and a uh, Bluetooth keyboard. So I started carrying that. So I have that in my backpack. I usually have my snacks. I have my protein bars. I have my uh, electrolyte drinks, which Tony, real quick, I found a new electrolyte drink that is amazing. It's a little pricey, but it was worth every penny. Well, hopefully we can get them on and we can talk to them and we can get a coupon code or something yes. like that. So don't let the cat fully out of the bag yet. Yes. So the electrolyte drink, if you guys want to look them up, like I said, I, I would love to get in touch with them because they were a lifesaver this summer. They were a lifesaver towards the end of the, my my umpiring your LMNT drink LMNT Google search them. They are a sodium electrolyte. You know, people get scared when they see like there's a thousand milligrams of sodium in this whole. Let me just tell you what cognitively it helped me so much because, you know, in that morning when you wake up, you feel like, oh, coffee is going to wake you up. No, it's because you're dehydrated when you wake up in the morning. When you wake up, you want to get your, yourself hydrated. And what I like about it is that when you're out in the heat of the sun, especially you umpires that are doing all this stuff during the summer, uh, I was doing a low-carb diet once I got done with umpiring. Man, did this help out. I felt like I wasn't foggy anymore. I felt hydrated. Holy cow, it just made such a big difference. I'm drinking it right now. They have all these different flavors. We'll get into it more. I want to get it more advertised because I want to get these guys on. I would love for them to be able to help us out and get you guys more hydrated and feel more energized and not that morning fog. One of the most important things that you can do is drink eight to 12 ounces of water right when you wake up. You know, mm -hmm. when you're sleeping, you're not hydrating. And that is one of the most dehydrating, thing, dehydrating things of inactivity is when you sleep. Absolutely. So when you wake up, instead of, instead of grabbing the first cup of coffee, man, down eight ounces of water, then move into it. We are way off on a tangent. Weren't we talking about a we are, but that's somewhere? Okay. okay. But that's okay. <laughs> this but that's is okay. how so, it goes. But that's what I carry in my in my 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 carry-on bag. It's like I have my protein bars, I have my my electrolyte drinks. I carry an empty 28 ounce shaker cup. So I I'm I'm a cheapskate. I don't want to pay for water. I don't want to pay for drinks when I'm at the airport. So I fill it up, you know, because they have those filter things, which is awesome. They have filter water um, stations. And I feel that's what I drink. And so the other things I also carry is I have my AirPods, I have my headphones. Uh, if I'm doing a podcast, I do have my Tula micro traveling microphone, which I invested this past spring. What else do I carry? I mean, there, there's just, oh, I have a battery pack in case like my battery size to drain. So like there's like things that you can cheat the system. And also I, and this sounds silly, but in my backpack, I carry an extra t-shirt. And if it's warm weather, I carry an extra pair of shorts just in case you never know if you're going to spill something on yourself or who, who the hell knows what happens, but I also carry um, slides or sandals because I want to be comfortable. So anyways, 
on the flight there to Oklahoma City. We get there. Tom Meyer texts me. He goes, hey, let me know when you land. Let me know when you get your luggage and I'll swing by and come get you. So he was my ride. We had three drivers, which was Tom Meyer, Ron Alexander, and Scott Tomlinson. So those three guys were nominated to be the drivers because they were the first ones there. And let me just tell you this real quick, Tony. Well, let me tell you this real quick. As a learning curve, if you do not want to be stuck being the driver, don't schedule your flight to be the first one. <laughs> I don't like the responsibility. Well, and something else that happened about that, Liz, yes. and we I bring it up because I know the information behind it. I can bring that up if you want. Those drivers were responsible for getting the crews around. But what was forgotten to plan for the umpires that is also a market right now that is very low in inventory and very high in cost. Speaking of rental cars, now the influx is starting to start. It's starting to uh, increase with inventory. So I have been noticing that. But for the last several months, we have noticed the influx of inventory for the rental cars has been pretty much non-existent because we went through a COVID shutdown because they were losing money. They had to return all their cars. Oh, not to mention 2021 vehicles were non-existent because the manufacturers weren't producing any because they didn't have the production. There's eight. I found this out from Smokey Eds that there are a ton of shipping boats on the Long Beach side of California that are so backlogged. They have inventory of products of everything you can think of that haven't been able to be shipped in and delivered in the last several months because of that. And that's one of the reasons as well. So to go along with that, not only are we having social issues when it comes to female sports, Tony, guess who, who they forgot about rental cars? Who'd they forget about? Hey, I can get you to Oklahoma City, but I, how am I going to get you away from the airport and be able to travel back and forth between a hotel and the stadium? Because you're not staying at the stadium. Oh, yeah. And we don't have locker rooms for the teams there. Oh, and your locker room is going to be a big room, which is tables set up and folding chairs. Yeah. So, I mean, and then we don't mean to make this like a negative rant, but like these are things that need to change. So when I got there and Tom Meyer picked me up, he goes, hey, you should check out this bill. I just got charged my credit card. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, they forgot about us. I'm like, whoa, 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 what do you mean they forgot about us? They forgot to book rental cars for the umpires. I'm like, so what did you have to do? He goes, well, since there was very limited vehicles, he goes, I got this, which was a Kia sedan. Fine. It's going to fit four of the 10 of us. Uh, Leah ended up driving up. She was the only driver from Arkansas that she was a driving distance. So she had another vehicle, but he had over a thousand dollars put on his credit card. He's like, I'm not stupid. Because I'm going to put all the insurance, I'm going to put the whatever needs to be covered because if something happens, I'm not being responsible for it. And that's just smart. If you're financially capable of doing that, then go ahead. Ron Alexander did the same thing and so did Tomlinson. And let me tell you, they reimbursed every single penny back to them, which they should have. But how, how do you forget rental cars for the third most important team on the field? Did baseball get forgotten? Did all the rest of these sports get forgotten? I mean, that came across my mind. I said that right in front of our regional advisor and also our, at the time, our, you know, our uh, softball advisor. And I mentioned it in front of someone who just retired too. I was like, how could you forget that? And did every other sport forget too? Are we that like low end of the totem pole? And I did complain about the locker room. I took pictures of the locker room. That's not advertised. I'm not going to advertise that because that's something that needs to be addressed. That's something that needs to be addressed to the USA softball organization as well. Our chairs were fold-up chairs. Mine went missing after day two. My space of, of a locker room was four by four, not joking. 
And it kept getting smaller because the, the, the person next to me kept pushing his stuff more over. And I'm just like, dude, I have less than a studio apartment over here. I'm pretty much all I got now is just a corner of a room. Can, can you give me a little bit of a space? I mean, the floors were dirty. We had flies all over the place. We had two tables that were one circle table, one folding long gated table. The locker rooms weren't clean. Our lights weren't working. Talk about being uncomfortable. Thank goodness our uh, regional, I'm sorry, our national advisor was able to get our schedules the day before. I've heard rumors that the person before that was in charge wouldn't send out schedules or wouldn't tell them their schedules until 90 minutes before the game. Talk about stress. And you're putting us in that type of environment. It was disappointing. Yes, I'm supposed to be thankful for my opportunity. Yes, I'm supposed to be thankful for being chosen. Yes, it's it's a once in a lifetime and anybody would be lucky to be one of the 10 that was selected to be there. But come on. I mean, we've been in in mid-major schools that provide better locker rooms than that. And I don't think that you're ungrateful or that we're no that you're mad that you're mad about it, maybe upset about it, disappointed by it. Would you go back and do it again knowing what you know now? I would say a hundred percent yes, you would. But if we don't bring this stuff to light, it's gonna keep being done because it's acceptable. And we don't want to right. be acceptable. We just want to be noticed because we are a huge part of the game. If we're not there, then what are you doing out there in the field? You're having a scrimmage. Did I tell you where we were allowed to sit in the stadium? You did. Yeah. Uh, so normally off games, they have a section for the staff and the umpires. We weren't allowed in the stadium. So we you have to go through the stadium to get to the merchandise, which we did on the first day. It didn't seem like anything was said. We wore our mask. We made sure that we were you know, following the, the guidelines and we were social distancing. We didn't really go with a bunch of, we didn't, all 10 of us didn't go together to do the sightseeing, but we were told to sit on the back berm, which is the little hill in left field. Probably saw us and some of the home runs that were, were uh, that were scored. That's where, and we didn't have chairs. We didn't have chairs. We had to sit on the berm and the chairs that were provided were the ones that, oh wait, that we had to pull out from the locker room. <laughs> wait, were you guys the ones who were getting the home run balls and taking them back to the family? Was that you guys? <laughs> I, I, we were right there. Right. But I mean, talk about a disappointment of how we were treated. And not, not only that, just all in general, how the softball players are treated, you know, to play four games in one day, every, all 17 games that were scheduled were played. There was, Two games that were played past 10 o'clock at night. There, there was teams that had to be up the next morning. And talk about the unfair advantage of being in a female sport. And the NCAA committee just thought, oh, no, it's no big deal. They'll be fine. They're fine. They're, you know, they're fine. They're used to it. It's always always done it. So it's always how we've done it. They'll be used to it. They're fine. Yeah, that's how they're you do fine. it in travel softball. Right. Tra yeah, travel softball. You play three games a day. Next morning, you play have an 8 a.m. game. Yeah, that's cute. That's real cute. They've actually gotten smarter too. A lot of the showcases, they play two games a day and they're done. And they have a set schedule so that, you know, the kids know exactly when they're playing. So if they can get smart, why doesn't a billion dollar industry get smarter and help out the, these, these young athletes that are now adults? Treat them like adults. Don't treat them like they're 10 years old out there playing summer softball anymore. That's not, no, that's unacceptable. Again, it was exciting the most exciting part was that we felt like we were finally rewarded with uniforms. We didn't get the normal powdered shirt with the logo on it, which I have D2 shirts. I was just going through my stuff just the other day, cleaning out my closet and reorganizing. I was buying bins and organizers for my closet to make it easier for my upcoming uh, season. And I have 
six shirts that have the national D2 national on it that I'll never wear. I have NPF championship wear that I'll never wear. Same thing with the hats. I'll never wear. I have probably about 20 plus NCAA hats that I'll most likely will never wear again. And it's like, so what do I, what do I do with these? And so I ended up packing them up. I have them in a special container. It's, I almost want to label it of never again, <laughs> but I love it that we did get new uniforms, but we're never going to wear those again. Cause it says the year on it. Um, it, it's, it's awesome. I, I may get them. Maybe what I'm thinking about doing is maybe putting them in a frame, kind of like what a lot of people do for famous athletes, you know, with their uniforms or when they retire uniforms at a high school or a college, they'll put them in a frame. I may do that. Yeah. Those little we'll shadow see. boxes. I'm sure you guys had balls mm-hmm. that you signed as well. Maybe make a shadow box where you can put that in there. It's cool. I have plans to do stuff with the, with mine as well. Cause I haven't done anything with the 2017 ones that I have. But it was awesome that you guys got to get new uniforms. Do you know how old or how long we have been wearing the same uniforms? It's been 30, 30 years. Yeah, 22, 25 years, something like that. Pretty close, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. We're the last ones that are not wearing side panel shorts at any level. Right. Baseball, baseball does it at all levels. Softball at our lower levels, we have side panel shirts. Above us are wearing side panel shirts. Major League are wearing side panel shirts. So it's cool to see that we are uh, getting into a uniform that actually looks decent on us, that looks like we are from this century. It was very hard for me not to share that information before. Because like, there was only one person I shared that information. That was the person that I'm doing this podcast with. And... No one else knew that we were getting these uniforms. And before we arrived on the field for game day, I actually took pictures of the shirts and sent it to Tony. And I got permission from our regional advisor. I said, is this okay if we advertise this? As soon as first pitch comes, boom, advertise the the shirts in the hats. And she's like, yeah, do it. So Tony was on it. Tony was on it like a kid in a candy store. And he made sure he posted the shirts. (laughs) Uh, he made sure he posted the hats when we got the jackets, which the jackets were a mistake. And that's a long story. We can get more into that. But, you know, he made sure he, you know, he, Tony, you made sure you were on it in advertising and it, and it blew up. People were just on it in an uproar. I got a lot of negative comments too. Does this mean we got to spend money on uniforms? I spend money on all these uniforms. Oh, come on, get, get over it. You know, it, if you, if you think this is going to be a game changer, is this something that's going to uh, rejuvenate the passion for umpiring? I'll spend whatever money it is to make it look good. And those uniforms, Tony, were, were flex fit. And I had the female version. If for once we actually got thought of, we were thought of. And yeah, I, I got made fun of from, from Bubba. You know who you are making fun of me saying I was all jacked. <laughs> looks like I was busting out of thing. my shirt. <laughs> you being thought of comes from Smitty taking a note that we need to have women involved as well. Jim Kirk taking the stance that he did. I think he was kind of the first one that made a panel of officials and involving women in it so that they knew it. It it took a lot of steps to get it. And I'm going to hit on this before you keep going. If you think that Smitty making a shirt is giving a kickback to the NCAA for uniforms that you guys had there and we may or may not get new ones. We don't know how it went or how it was received at the national staff level. If you think that Smitty is giving a kickback to that, you are funny. 
you should probably sign up to be a comedian and do some stand-up and just use that joke over and over. They don't get anything <laughs> from it. What the NCAA is doing or what the other organizations are doing are saying, hey, we are giving you this option to look how you want to look and show that we respect you. And hopefully that is taken into account of how we feel in our uniforms that we want to be respected out there on the field. And it has to do with how we look and the comfortability of how we feel out there. Are we out there going, man, does my shirt look all right? Do I look frumpy? Do I need to go get this tailored so I don't look like a trash bag over here? They're not getting money from it. What they are doing is setting us up to be successful in what we're wearing. And the ideas came from, it started with volleyball and basketball, those uniforms, and also soccer. They make female cut shirts. And it's about damn time that they started thinking about us. They, they did, a couple of years ago, they started making navy and powder female cut shirts. And, they, and it's a great idea. They're, they're getting there. But to be... To be innovative and make those flex fit style that has not been done with for the female cut shirts. I literally felt like I was part of that, that, uh, that clan, that, that community of female officials because basketball, there's are more form fitting that flex fit. They need it, especially when they're making those, those moves going left, right, you know, forward and backwards. They need to be able to have it to work with them. And I loved it with my chest protector because it just it just made it look like I wasn't wearing a chest protector. And it, I'll be honest with you, probably it's going to put a lot of these umpires in perspective about how they look. And unfortunately, we're in a day of age of perception. We need to start looking like we're fit. We need to look like we're ready for this game. And I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not, I'm not being negative or, or trying to, what's the word I'm looking for, call you guys out, you men and women out that, you know, don't take care of yourselves. But maybe this is something you, you really need to start making it more of a priority. If you're going to be in the sport, if you want to be in the spotlight, if you want to be, you know, on this streaming and, and are on TV, we got to start looking the part. And look beyond just how you look, but how you feel and what you're doing for your family. And are you going to be there in 10 more years because you took care of your heart? You took care of the rest of your stuff and your cholesterol is where it needs to be. And you are able to live in 10 years. But there's something that happens in camps, and I know that they talk about it, and they will talk to umpires about it. Is that umpire TV ready? It's not a joke. I mean, that's something they do bring up, Tony. Uh, especially when you go to some of the uh, the camps with the with World Series officials, and it started to look better this year with the officials we have. If if you want a good example, pull up the D three baseball umpires. Tell me what they look like. I think Tony even has a video uh, picture of them. And each one of them was in shape. Look, look at the minor league baseball umpires. Look how in shape and just motivated they are. And that's where we should be. But even if they're in shape and they're not wearing a shirt that shows that they are fit, they still don't look like it. And that's another thing that you can notice from them. They, Yes, they are fit, but even if they weren't fit, I think there were some bigger guys that were in the D3, but they still looked really good because they were wearing correctly fitting uniforms. 100%. And then this is my last tangent on that, but just if you want to be taken serious on the field, start taking every action seriously. Know your rule book, know your manual, know your mechanics, know how to communicate, and also look the part. These athletes out there, they're training two to three hours a day. They're in the weight room three to four days a week, even during the off season. So they're doing something that helps their game and to be better 
why are we not doing the same thing? It's no longer you just, you know, dress, get on the field. I mean, you, you show up to the field 30 minutes prior, you get dressed, you say, okay, this is what we're doing today. These are the mechanics we're doing today and then step on the field. It's no longer that. We got to take it serious just as much as they are. And coaches and players notice that. They want umpires that can move. They want umpires that understand the game. All right. So you're in Oklahoma City. You've gotten to the airport. Tom picked you up, took you to where you needed to be. You have your pre-series meetings. You go through all that. Now you're ready for your first game one assignment. Let's get that far and see where we end up. We have tangent a lot on this, but I love it. I love that we get to talk about this and share. But this is what we're passionate about. And I think that it's getting better. There's people behind it that are looking at this stuff as well as how do we need to take our umpires more seriously before there are none? So... How did the first game one assignments come out? And let's go from there. Well, it, it, Craig did it right. He put Ron Alexander on the first game, which for, for anybody that knows who Ron Alexander is, he is the longest tenor SEC working umpire. It was 25 plus years. I'm probably leaving a few years off, but he has the most experience. He has a World Series under his belt. He is probably one of the best mentors out on the game. For him to start and set the tone, you couldn't think of anybody better to set the tone for that whole World Series. And he nailed it. So the way that Craig did it is that first game he had the experienced umpire and then he threw in a rookie. Second game, same thing. Experienced umpires threw in a rookie. Uh, there might have been like two rookies on the, the first and second game. I don't remember. But so I was scheduled for the third and fourth game on the bases. I got to know third base pretty well. So I think I got that nailed. But <laughs> it, was, it was really cool to, to be on that field. One of the coaches from one of the Just Means More conference comes up to me. Hey, what's your name? Where are you from? And I'm, I look at, the, at that coach. I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's a laughing matter because I tell that story uh, to anybody that knows who that coach is. They, they're like, yeah, they're just messing with you. But it, it, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't like, I didn't have the jitters. I was more excited. The roar, especially when we were on the field with Oklahoma, totally different. I mean, that's a totally different atmosphere when you have Oklahoma on the field because you do have a lot of Oklahoma fans. But when you hear that roar of 10,000 fans and the excitement of the game back, oh, it just puts chills all through your body. It didn't hit me until the first pitch. And that's like, wow, I'm here. To say I didn't want to screw up, I know, I mean, to anybody that does know, I probably did make a couple of mechanical mistakes that weren't on me. And I, and if you guys do want to dissect the game and find out which ones I did, go ahead and let me know. <laughs> but it was just so cool because the players, they were soaking it all in, the coaches soaked it all in, especially the ones that had never been there before. It was just amazing to be out on the field and to be out there with mentors. And the best advice I did get from, it was actually from Tom Meyer. He said, there's a reason why you're here. Own it, stay sharp. And Ron Alexander told me, hey, we, we're gonna take care of everybody, baby girl. This is what we're gonna do. This is why you're here. You are here for a reason, baby girl. So just show them what you got. For two people that could have easily just been like, yeah, they're the reason why that they're at the, at the top of their game. They're the reason why that they're clinicians and they represent like the big conferences. They showed me exactly how you need to be and be a veteran. 
So they, it was really cool, Tony, just to be out on that field. Just to, I mean, it, you umpire the game. I umpire the game just like it was every game, just as is normal. The only thing is, is that, you, you know, in the back of your mind, you got 42 cameras on you. You're exposed. People are going to know who you are. I think the coolest thing ever, and I'm going to say this, there was a group of umpires that were working that tournament that weekend that were sitting on the first base side that you literally, when I'm at third base, I can look down third base line and look up in the stands and they're sitting right there. There's probably about 20 of them. And they were so excited to see me there and they took my pictures and, and they, they sent me some pictures of what they did. And, you know, I made sure I said hello to them. That was probably the best feeling in the world is just knowing People that you know, people that you've talked to, people that you have a good relationship with and continue to have a good relationship with are there and you have fans in the stands. You might have been only 20, but that's okay. I'll take it. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned Ron did that first plate and it's probably one of the best plates that I've seen him call ever. And the way that they handle the game, the game had a, some situations that came together and the umpires came together and they had talks and you get to hear it and it was just so cool to hear that. But Great job by Craig getting the assignments the way that he did. And I got a text message from Troy that came over and he was at the game. And I said, hey, go in between innings, go down and just yell, be excellent. Said, she'll know it's somebody from the podcast or something that's going on. And he's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to get her out of her zone. She's doing great out there. I don't want to get her out of her zone. But it was so cool to hear those little bit of the stories and the emotions that you have going along with it. It's just really cool to know that people are behind you. Well, not only, uh, so he was there, but also Anita. Uh, oh yeah. Anita was there and she sent me a couple of pictures that she took. I love Anita. So shout out to you, girl. I, I, I appreciate all that support when you, when you showed up and not only that, you know, Mike Burwell was there, the USA crew, uh, we also, Mindy Vila, who's been on our podcast, she was there just to, just to see the support. That, that was so cool. You know, and they were actually the next day they were doing the USA. Who did they have? No, not USA. They were doing uh, one of the national teams. I can't remember which one it was. And they were at Oklahoma state and they were doing some games there. So I thought that was, uh, that was pretty neat just to kind of swap stories with them. Yeah. I think it was team USA and they were playing, either USSA Pride or they were playing one of the mishmash teams or something like that. But it's cool to hear those other people that were actually there. So we, we talk about like how Craig did it right. You know, we, we, we did a lot of base games, the rookies did, rightfully so. By elimination day, that's the day that teams already had a loss and they were going to either be moving on or sent home. The rookies got to do that day and as a test of a test of willingness of like how well you're going to be able to handle the adversity and, and the, the tension. I got the call for the first game, Oklahoma and Georgia. And then the next game was uh, Tanya Garrick and Scott Tomlinson. And then follow up with uh, Jim Bertuzzi and actually worked out for Scott and Jim because we did have a delay. And they are West Coast umpires. So for them to be able to handle the time change in the late of the game, it's no excuse for that. You know, we, we already went on the tangent, but they handled those games like a boss. They did a great job. And all four of us had great games. The game that I had, I didn't realize it in, I didn't realize that it was going to be lose coach lose last game, but I just knew something was a little off when I was on that game with Georgia and Oklahoma. Cause she wasn't as animated. She seemed a little emotional. Not a lot of people saw it, but I could feel it when I was talking with her and conversing with her back and forth about changes. 
And you could tell that something was just off with her. And then find out a couple of days later, she res resigned. Man, that was powerful. But I, I, I'm so glad that I was able to be on the field with her during the season and then on her final game. It, it, I, I'm, I'm just an umpire, but that meant a lot to me, especially with all the career opportunities that she's had and the wins and losses that she's been able to achieve. It's really cool to hear that part of it and the other emotions that don't happen on the field. And I was talking to Sally yesterday and we were talking about watching games and that's how I kind of stayed in last season and watched a lot of footage on stuff. And she goes, but there's still just stuff that you can't see on game footage. And we take that for granted for the national coordinator being able to look at just the streaming of the games and like, oh, we can go watch West Coast games. Well, you're just watching camera footage and how much footage do we actually get of the umpires and hopefully when we get to this next stage and the new person comes in we take care of them we get the stipends that they need to where they can travel and actually go out into real world stuff what's their emotions on the field how is that umpire handling the situations that happen what do they do in between innings what's their body language are they slumping after they make a call because we see an umpire make a call but what do they do when they go back and stand on the line of their next starting position? What are they doing? What are their emotions? What do they look like? Are they looking down? Do they have their head up? Are their shoulders back? Are they still prideful of what they're doing? Or did they just get defeated after a coach came out and argued with them? Stuff you don't get to see on film. So hopefully we have the right people listening and they are seeing what we're calling for to get our national coordinator out there. You know that baseball for Division One has a national coordinator, but it's not the same one as Division Two. Oh, they have a different national coordinator for Division Two. Oh, guess what? Division Three has a different national coordinator. Oh, really? Three national coordinators for all three divisions? I know that there's more baseball teams and there are softball teams, but D1 can have a national coordinator. D2 and D3 could have a separate Separate it so that we know exactly. You think Craig has as much time, had as much time to look at the D2 and D3 umpires as they deserve as well? Probably not. So let's get somebody in there that is focused on those teams because those teams, those divisions deserve just as much time, just as much respect as Division One does. And baseball, that's where they have it right. They are giving each division the ample time, dedication that they need so that we make sure that they are getting the focus from the national staff. I think the only other national coordinators we have in the softball world, Tony, is NAIA, which is Bill Gamalik. And I don't know who the JUCO coordinator is, but we do have it for that. But I think if we are going to have the coordinators for the D1, D2, D3, they need to work together. And I, to be honest with you, it needs to be that way. We need to have that communication because let's be honest, D2 does not umpire the same way as most Division One. There's a lot of Division One umpires that don't umpire like at their caliber that they should be. But we need to be on the same page with the D3, D2, JUCO, and NAIA umpires. We all need to be on the same page. We We shouldn't be negating that they are lesser than, than the equals. It's just we have to be able to develop a farm system. You know, the, the D2, D3 is what's helping us progress with our, with our umpiring because we have a lot of 
umpires that have umpired the D2, D3 that have done Division One regionals, Super Regionals, and World Series. I'm an advocate for it. You're an advocate for it. Why not produce it that way? You know, there's got to be a lot more that's going to have to do with the farm system. That's, that's all I wanted to add, Tony. But if I go back and do it, or you go back and do some of those games during the season, what are we doing? We're on a field with an umpire that's coming up through the system. Or, if, you know, I was assigned that D2 regional. If I go and do that and I'm working with umpires that are this first postseason experience and showing them what we do at the next level, the way that we handle our our business on the field, the way that we handle our business off the field, the way that we handle our emotions, we are teaching and we are going along and we can share those umpires there. But also that umpire that just is doing the D2 and maybe gets some non-conference D1 and they go to that postseason and they get seen by a national staff person that is dedicated to watching that division, now we are looking at them and we are moving that umpire up into the next stage instead of, well, the national coordinator has to look at all these, but I've been watching all this division one. I feel safe in sending all these division one umpires. What are you telling those ones that are at the division two and division three? Well, work what you're working, but it's not going to be no hope for you to get postseason stuff. That's not okay. We I need agree. to have somebody looking at them and saying, thank you for your time. Thank you for your dedication to this and those teams. We see you working and here's your reward because postseason is rewarding. I couldn't agree with you more because a lot of those, that's why we get a lot of disagreements or negativity from the other umpires. And you see that been created on social media. Be like, oh, I cannot believe they just made that call. Oh, did you take a look at this? Oh, but you know, you see it even at the USA levels and, and beyond. But that's what separates us, and it's it's disheartening because it shouldn't be that way. I do believe that there are a lot of D two and D three umpires that deserve to be at the D two nationals, D two three nationals, and that's how it should be. That's how I got started. My first year in 2014 doing the D two national, I was working D two and D three games. Yeah, I had a couple D one weekends, schedules, you know, that's how I worked my way up. But my second year doing the D2 Nationals, I was still doing D2 and D3 games. So let's not forget about that part. I don't want to bash the coordinator, the national coordinator, but when I looked at the list of the those D2 National umpires, D3 National umpires that were a little upset because they wanted a D1 regional. They wanted a, a postseason at the D1 level. They didn't think that they were at that level. And I'm not saying that's not, uh, that, don't read me wrong on this. But they felt the same way as you did, Tony. They felt like there was other opportunities for umpires that and now it's a disadvantage and it has a bad taste in their mouth now because they see someone who's done nothing but D1 this year and they get selected to do a D2 national. That is absolutely insane. We need to be bringing up the rest of our, our program. And there was a, I hate to say this, but there was a few umpires that we watched that I'm not sure if the season just got to them, if they were just exhausted mentally, but they didn't have a very good national. I'm not sure if there just needs to be better training, better. We just need to come together more. I'm, I'm a loss of words and I'm sorry because I just don't want to be offensive. I don't want to offend anybody. I, I just don't want to be sounding like I'm being negative. We just need to train better and be more positive. And I think encouragement would actually help out as well. And I think what we're talking about, and it's not no diss to Craig, because Craig was doing what he could do with what he had available. I think what we're saying is for the national NCAA to take a notice that we need more for 
our national coordinator. That's what we're saying. And I hope that you can see that we are feeling the same way that the umpires feel like they feel like they're being slighted because of it. We're there for you. But sometimes things happen and they need an umpire to be there and we accept it. The other issue is the umpire feels slighted that goes there of, well, why did I get this assignment? You know what? You took that assignment and somebody else could have been there, but you have it. Go be the best that you can be, be a better person, and be excellent when you're on the field. That's what you have to do. Show why you're put there, not, I was put here. Don't be ridiculous. Right. We all want to achieve and get to where we, you know, where our goals are. Yeah. But we cannot envy. We cannot be, we cannot be jealous of like what goes on. Like give yourself a reasoning of why you weren't there, why you didn't get selected there. How can you make yourself better? And we talk about this with camps and clinics and trying to get in front of other coordinators. You got to advocate for yourself, but you also got to be realistic about yourself. We talk with uh, several different umpires, Tony, that we talk to on a normal basis. And one recognizes what their flaws are and what they need to do. They know that they're not made for the D1, D2 level. But I like your reaction to that person was, what do you mean? You could easily do it. You know, you just got to set your mind to what your goals are. And if the goal is to be better physically, then go after it. Then we also have another umpire that is always, well, why not? Why not me? Stop saying, why not me? How about what can I do to make myself better? Stop worrying about what other people are doing. Stop worrying about all the negativity. It just drives me insane. Nothing that you can say negative is going to be a positive for you. Putting salt in somebody else's sugar is not going to make mine any sweeter. Think about it. You could put it in my electrolyte Nothing drink. that I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's still not going to make me any more hydrated. <laughs> Just going to make you hydrated. That's right. So nothing that I do is going to negative towards you is going to make anything better for me. Be better while you're out there. Accept what you have and you're there for a reason. Maybe you didn't get that next assignment because you don't have the experience yet. And I want to send you somewhere so you get more experience so you're ready for that regional assignment. Until you're there, you think you're ready and then you show up and you're like, I wasn't ready. But we need you to show up and go, I got it. Exactly. Hey, Tony, just to kind of um, you know, I know we're probably going to have to come to a closing, but I wanted to let you know that the World Series was probably the best thing that has happened to me so far. And I embraced it as much as I possibly could. Um, I had both my major co uh, coordinators that were there, Sally Walker and Christy Cornwell, with nothing but full support. Sally had so, so many embracing things that she had given to me and some advice during that time. Christy, if, if you guys all knew that she was doing the replay, she was the replay operator. and. I got a chance to sneak back there into her little room that she had and just to be there for a few days and just the encouragement that she was able to uh, to embrace and help me with. She actually checked up on me. They both checked up on me. The, the most, the memorable thing with Christy was that she checked up on me a week later and asked me how I was doing. She goes, Hey, I just want to reach out to you because a lot of the umpires had that high during the world series and they kind of go through like this depression stage afterwards. She's like, I want to check on how you're doing. I said, I'll be honest with you, Christy. I said, the day after I landed, no joke, when I landed in Akron, 
I came home. Natalie had to pack, get her stuff together. Her and Nick were driving down to Columbus for her showcase tournament. The next morning, Caitlin and I had to leave to go to Monroeville, which is just west of Pittsburgh for her out-of-town tournament. So I told Christy, I was like, I have been on the road since I've been on the road. So it's been nonstop for me. So I didn't have that that drought. I didn't have that depression. Now, you do feel that. It's it's an honest to God thing that does happen. I did feel it for maybe a couple of days, Tony, when I didn't have somewhere to be with the girls. I think there was like two days. I, I think I wasn't scheduled Monday and Tuesday for lessons. And I just felt like, now what do I do? Well, okay. And I just started cleaning. And then the girls look at me like, oh God, mom's going through her purge time where I started throwing shit away. <laughs> But it's a real thing. But if when you start to feel that way, make sure you guys are reaching out to like your fellow umpires and colleagues in your community. Make sure you stay involved. Make sure you are reaching out to them and making and uh, just mentally staying stable because it's a thing. Tony, I'm not sure if you went through that. That could be a whole nother podcast we can get into about just the mental state of it. How did you go through it when you couldn't umpire? How did you stay busy? I think maybe that we should probably make that a podcast of like what you experienced again, part two. And how you went through it mentally. And then we can kind of tie it in with like how the summer is and like the anxiety that's going to come up. What's coming up here in the next uh, couple months? Schedules. Oh my gosh, people are going to start panicking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we have lots more to talk about. I don't think we're going to run out of material to talk about. No. I think mostly we just run out of the time to talk about it. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Well, so at the beginning you, of the podcast, we mentioned some people that have been really great to us. And we want you to go out and check them out. And just just really do us that favor. If it's two minutes that you check them out, that's two minutes that they weren't going to get. So just take your time to do that. And then if you could do one thing for us right now after you listen to the end of this, or you could probably even play the app in the background, go leave a review for us. Let other people know about it. If it's Apple Podcasts that you're listening to it on, do it there. If it's Spotify, do it there. Pick one and just go do it. Put some stars there. Put some words down. Stars mean a lot, but words just mean more on those reviews. Watch Sorry, it. Sorry, I stole it. Watch it. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. And we're going to have another podcast to do the rest of the World Series and the ending up of it. But thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, be excellent.